Welcome to the Religious Studies Project. My name is Christopher Cotter and I'm here with David Robertson. We are brought to you in association with the British Association for the Study of Religions and today's podcast um, was recorded at the IAHR, so the International Association for the History of Religions and it's uh, David speaking with Tomoko Masazawa on the invention of the secular university, which sounds fascinating. I'm really looking forward to this. The Religious Studies Project, as a, an academic endeavour, um, studying religion, we are, of course, uh, devoutly secular. Um, in fact, we, we tend to take the connection between the academy and the seculars completely for granted. Um, but was this always the case? Um, to discuss that today, we're joined by Tomoko Masizawa, who is Professor of History and Comparative Literature at the University of Michigan. Um, so first of all, thank you for um, thank visiting you. the Religious Studies Project. Um, maybe we can start the conversation then. Um, when we talk about uh, the secular university, mm-hmm. what kind of secularity are we talking about? Um, I think it is actually, uh, rather than secular university, I uh, am planning to entitle this book as a, uh, the academic secular. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is because it's in a way the way to dodge that question, which is too <laughs> difficult. Or rather, you will have to read the whole book to give an answer to it. Um, it's I think it's precisely because the meaning of the secular itself, uh, as you might imagine, has certain uh, uh, history. Yeah. And um, the one we are really most familiar with is very recent and perhaps it is different in even in the same English speaking countries, yeah. United States and the UK. Um, I, one should not presume that it's always we mean what the, the of same course, thing yes, is. Yes. And, um, so in a sense, um, my project is trying to, instead of, uh, our tendency to project our quarrels back into our earlier times, and as if that notion of the secular is always identifiable mm-hmm. in the earlier times, um, just try to actually see how our sense of the university or science, for that matter, is something that is distinct from religion, piety. Mm-hmm. Um, so to put it another way, how is the university is a very different kind of institution from church? Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so this is a project to try to really sort of see that coming of the distinction. Not that they were simply merged together. Mm-hmm. As, uh, I think that's one of the things that complicates it. Yeah. It's not that there was, uh, university was always indistinguishable from church or anything like that. But nonetheless, that relation is not what we presume it is. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, um, that, that is really easy. Um, and so, in a sense, we think of not just the university as an institution, research, science, um, science in the uh, broader sense, not yeah. just the natural science, but the Wissenschaft. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, how do we come to understand those endeavors as quite distinct and somehow institution has to be separated? Um, and Therefore, making the presence of religion, uh, 
how does how does understand does one understand today the the, the presence of religion within the university? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, even though this project isn't really about uh, religious studies, yes, yes. But nonetheless, you might say that's one way in which religion is present, mm-hmm. and we might feel that it, yes, precisely in a secular university, religion should be present mm-hmm. in that sense. Mm-hmm. In other words, as a subject that can be as uh, an object of serious scientific investigation. Absolutely, right? yeah. And I, I, I have some questions mm-hmm. about that because I do think it's it's very relevant to you know uh, how the how the the discipline of religious mm-hmm. studies is constructed as mm-hmm. you know this academic endeavor in itself. Mm-hmm. But um, we'll we'll come to that t- towards the end. Mm-hmm. I want. I, I want to move next then to, to the, the, the idea of the, the university or mm-hmm. academia, the mm-hmm. academy. It's, I mean, we're talking about something that goes back to like the, the, the medieval period, aren't we? Uh, well, certainly. And, uh, in fact, it might say that, uh, well, there was always science. Yeah. Well, <laughs> as yeah. long as, uh, human beings are sort of, we understand these, um, as we know it. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, as long as we have written history, um, we do have the sense that there is a learning yes, and yeah. that there is always an institution insofar as there are human society. Yeah. So uh, depending on how you define it, it, you can say that it is really as old as human history. Yeah. <laughs> but um, what's unique about institution of the university as we know it is, of course, it is the very specific high middle ages. Right? So... 11th, 12th, 13th centuries of critical beginning time. And it begins in Europe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, now that we, we have it everywhere in the world, um, but nonetheless, how is it this institution that begins? And it, to me, in a way, it's, it's interesting that it's a very successful institution. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, nobody had to evangelize mm. on behalf of the university. It spread everywhere. Mm. And, uh, and yet it's, one of the things that is so European in its origin. Um, I put it in that quotation mark, why it starts at certain time in Europe. Yeah. Um, yeah. As you may have um, looked at it in my pressy and introduction, it's because of the influence of something else, right? Mm-hmm. So in a way, I see the rising of Europe and rising of the university as very much connected. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that was another sort of interesting um, uh, moment yeah. to, to focus on that we learn a lot about. Indeed, if, if I'm if I'm understanding mm-hmm. you right, then there's an interesting parallel with mm-hmm. the the kind of world religions, the, mm-hmm. the invention of world religions mm-hmm. in your earlier work. That both cases are. We get quintessentially European ideas, but they emerge from an encounter mm-hmm. with the other. Right. They're, right. they're almost a reaction, and mm-hmm. there's an interesting parallel yeah. there. And in fact, it's uh, almost, uh, uh, I, I almost hesitate to say that there's an encounter with the other, precisely in the case of university. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Europe as an identity comes into being at that time. I see, right, right? yeah. I mean, we project Europe as before the 9th, 10th, and 11th century, but from what I understand, it really, it doesn't really look like anything like we all imagine as European, right? I mean, 
the Mediterranean world was itself a world. Yes. But and then of course, as of the high Middle Ages and later, it is Europe as we know yeah. it today yeah. that claims that Mediterranean past. Yes. But um, that's really is a legacy that is claimed rather than natural growth. Of course, yeah. So I think university as an institution really epitomized that move. And I'm not criticizing. No, no. Yes. You know, yeah. It is the, uh, the, instit- the, the institutional history of uh, universities in many ways. I, uh, I think it's a making of Europe. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. Then later, I mean, th- these kind of medieval universities seem to have been largely, you know, uh, groups of people who were interested in learning, mm-hmm. kind of getting together. I mean, that's maybe right. a bit of a casual right. way of putting it, but essentially. Yes, no, it, it is uh, in some way, if we use our own terms, uh, it was very democratic institution, you might say. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. It is the vol- um, voluntary gathering of people, and it was a guild, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, I think, it's important. Um, so even though they say the you know, university was founded, medieval universities were not founded. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And um, it, so it was a voluntary um, gathering of people. And I think that's 19th century historians began to realize that. Mm-hmm. It was to the credit of the 19th century historians, particularly reform-minded people, who discovered that history. Um, that it wasn't simply um, Pope decided yeah, or Emperor yeah, right. decided yeah. to institute this university uh, as an institution, but rather it, it really had to do with a gathering of the people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because of course we don't have at this point you don't have the institutionalization of the different roles and you know so right. actually that kind of hierarchical organization mm-hmm. would have been wouldn't have been possible. Yeah. Well, actually, um, some universities began as a guild of masters, uh-huh. that is to say, professors. Yeah, um, that would be Paris, um, okay. whereas a uh, Bologna, which is another model. Mm-hmm. And that was very much a student's guild. Right. So, uh, oh, I see. Okay. You so, see, yeah, yeah. people who are uh, coming and paying fees, mm-hmm. and uh, and whether university started as a more or less uh, weight on that side, mm-hmm. or the masters who are interested in uh, making sure the quality control. I right? see. Right. So, yeah. who how to um, uh, issue a diploma? And also, uh, what are the rights and privileges of that diploma? Indeed, yeah. means. Mm-hmm. Um, so Paris is very much of the master's uh, guild, whereas Bologna was the student's guild. I see, I see. Um, so there are different patterns. That's, yeah, that's yeah. interesting, right? From but the, of course, right from the, the assumption was that those students uh, eventually are going to be masters, mm, yes, right? Yes, right. And, but then they carry their diploma or license so that they can ch- uh, take that diploma to elsewhere. I see. Um, so that's that idea of uh, degrees. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh, that's quite it early, comes yeah. from that. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. Then there's this there's this kind of transformation later on where we get the the idea of the um, the, the collegiate system. 
comes in. Mm -hmm. And that kind of transforms the role of the university. Right, right. And that is, of course, particularly uh, relevant to the people who live in the western part of uh, particularly England mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, and then also to the to a large extent the United States right because um, it wasn't university that was transplanted to the new world but rather it was colleges yes yeah so that development of colleges of course it's a complicated story um, but the most uh, the salient aspect to the question of secularity and religious uh, university and so on is that the, it was the college that really could impose um, the um, religious control. Right. Because they are essentially private corporations. They're private, right? yeah. And uh, so that um, the so-called confessionalization of the university. Mm-hmm. In other words, it is the Reformation and thereafter that some of the university, at least, become very in a way, religiously restrictive yes, institutions. Yes, yes. And certainly the, the epitome of that is Cambridge and Oxford. Yeah. And that's why they become, in a way, the focus of um, British reform movements in the 19th century. So it was everything to do with the fact that it was closed to anybody but the Church of England members. Right, yeah. Um, and then also the fact that the, those colleges were enormously wealthy. Indeed. Yeah. So, uh, which isn't the case in other parts of Europe, other universities, um, okay. and, uh, or Scottish universities. Well, I, I might have something to say about that later ah. on, but we'll come back to that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to leave the controversial questions to the end. Okay, <laughs> um, okay well, it, I mean, it's sometimes said... Uh, um, Tim Fitzgerald said it before, you know, that mm-hmm. the notion of religion mm-hmm. itself is kind of a Western idea, sure. which, you know, we then exported out to the colonies. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, can we really say the same about the university then? It's uh, the, the spread of the university around the world is kind of co- coterminous with, with the spread of, of Westernism, if you like. Uh, certainly. And then I think the re- uh, receiving part uh, uh, understood that very much. Mm. But, um, the, it, it, my, uh, certainly in the case of Japan, I can say with certainty, mm-hmm. and many other places in Asia, I think, um, it, it's German universities. Yes, right, yes. And they never look to Oxford or Cambridge. Right, yeah. <laughs> or Harvard or Princeton. Okay. Um, that's not, that's not the model. It I is see. Berlin yeah. through and through. And it is in many ways um, retain that character, mm-hmm. uh, certainly in the case of Japan. So, um, and tell us a little bit about Berlin. This is the the early nineteenth century. Yes, eighteen ten, uh-huh. and um, it was established um, in Prussia at that time, Brandenburg, okay, yeah, Prussia, yeah. and. Um, this is really um, the reason why the newly established German universities um, were in some ways um, opening up towards different kind of understanding of what university is. A number of reasons. Mm-hmm. But one of which I think is a background, um, I, I think it was a very interesting one, is that Brandenburg, Prussia in particular, 
was religiously mixed okay. to begin with. Yeah. That is, um, the ruling family, uh, Hohenzollern, uh, from the 17th century onward, they were Calvinists. Mm-hmm. So they had what the Germans called the Second Reformation. Yeah. Right? They yeah. became first, they, after you know, kicking and screaming, uh, changed from Catholicism to Lutheranism. Yeah. And yet it was just too close so that in a way, they became more um, uh, adamantly evangelical. Okay. And so the ruling class became Calvinist. And yet they could not take the most of the population, including, of course, many uh, powerful aristocratic families. Mm-hmm. So over the years, over the centuries, in fact, um, that they had this kind of a double structure. They had an interest in not emphasizing this whole question of what is the right Christianity. Right. Because the result would be war. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and they've done that. Yeah. And so, uh, in a way, when they established the university, the university, uh, new university, uh, the, um, they had interest not to emphasize the question of the right religion for this university. Right. 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 And interesting thing that happened course, is, um, in, in the case of Berlin in particular, um, was the, it, 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 of course, it had theology, faculty of theology, mm-hmm. and it happened to be led by the first dean of the faculty was Schleiermacher, mm-hmm. um, who, of course, and he wasn't the only one, but he symbolizes this new understanding of what theology is yeah. as a Wissenschaft. In other words, it's not in competition to other kinds of Wissenschaft, but it is itself as a Wissenschaft. Indeed. So, in some ways, um, the, the, the theology faculty, um, it, it certainly is not satisfied with simply the, uh, training of the ministers, but rather it's a science. Mm-hmm. That would, of course, benefit the training of better clergy, right? mm-hmm. and yet um, the uh, uh, this this kind of um, new understanding of what what it means to study religion, right. if you will, yeah. in our yeah language, yeah, sure. yeah. Um, was there from the very beginning, and so of course in the case of adaptation in other parts of the world, um, they just said, oh well. That's for Christians. We don't have churches, or we don't have en- uh, enough of them mm-hmm, <laughs> to mm-hmm. worry about. Uh, that we have, we, we don't have a need to uh, satisfy that. Mm-hmm. And so they just simply said, "Okay, we'll just have law faculty, medical faculty, arts and science faculty, mm-hmm. and many times in the case of Japan, for example, they thought." Political economy is a good yeah. substitute, yeah. <laughs> as it were. Right. Uh, so economics and what we call economics and political um, science yeah. became yeah. a kind of a stand-in for theology. Right. right. Yeah. So I think uh, there are all kinds of reasons why um, the Berlin model was um, interesting and um, at the same time it was adaptable. In many yeah. Ways. Of course, uh, you know, the right religion in this context really mm-hmm. means 
the right kind of Christianity, right? Uh, yes. And this is this is a fascinating aspect uh-huh. of this because it's it's the the idea of the secular mm-hmm. university mm-hmm. emerges actually from exactly religious infighting or mm-hmm. or competition. This is right. the really interesting thing. Right, right. No, I think you you got it right completely. That it's it is that that's what I. It did not, of course, I did not really plan to uh, argue this point. Yeah, yeah. But it's what the material began to tell me. Yeah, right? yeah. These, these 19th century theological disputes, right, really. Right. And which does not at all make the question of secularity any well, more, any more suspect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, as a result, that certainly is not my point, but rather it's just uh, to understand, you know, what, under what circumstances. Yeah. These questions. Yeah, come, right? yeah. Why does university have to be secular? At the beginning of this whole process, they weren't talking that way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but then towards the end of the century, you look at it mm-hmm. and say, well, the secular science, or if they don't use that word, at least arts and science is completely separate from theology or yeah. divinity. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's, that's a really interesting mm-hmm. thing because in, in religious studies, which kind of emerges in the, the post-war mm-hmm. period, mm-hmm. Uh, we're sort of, we're so often concerned that theology and religious studies, mm-hmm. you know, not be conflated because, mm-hmm. you know, we're the science and, and they're right, not. Right, kind of right. the, We're the thing that's secular yes. and they're not. But but, but in these early uh, universities that you're describing, you know, theology itself wasn't even a distinct discipline. It emerges in this kind of, in this post-Berlin model mm-hmm. of the university, mm-hmm. which is... Yes, in a way. I think... Um, Again, the, the term theology itself is, um, you know, you could trace that. Yeah, problem, you know? yeah, yeah. And uh, you might say that, yes, the, 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 the thir- 12th and 13th century, precisely at the time when the university emerges, mm-hmm. theology itself kind of comes into being. Yeah. And which is, of course, uh, very different from what Schleimacher Yes, yeah. yes, of course. And, yeah. But uh, so, so in a way, all these sort of multiple strands of uh, potent terms that are very important to us today mm-hmm. for the people who are interested in the study of religion. Indeed. Yeah. And I'd like to sort of ask you a couple of questions mm-hmm. about that then, because um, this really actually made me re like rethink a few mm-hmm. of the, the, the questions and assumptions. Mm-hmm. Um, so. There are a lot of chairs in the uh, supposedly secular university that mm-hmm. we know are being funded by various religious bodies uh-huh. today. Uh-huh. And this seems to be, um, I mean, the problems there in the UK and the US, although the situation's a little bit different, in mm-hmm. the US it does seem to be that people are very concerned with Christian theology kind of creeping in by the back door and mm-hmm. um, certain funding bodies, for instance, with uh, perhaps a religious mm-hmm. agenda. Mm-hmm. In the UK it's slightly different. It's, we've got a lot of well, certainly, you know, uh, m- most of the religious studies departments, for instance, are embedded in departments which were theological for hundreds of years. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And there are certainly, for instance, at the University of Edinburgh, sorry to name and shame my own uh-huh. department, but, you know, there are chairs there which are funded by the Church of Scotland, for instance. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. We have chairs elsewhere that are funded by Islamic bodies, for uh-huh. instance, and I'm uh-huh. sure that there are other, other examples. Um, so... This muddies the picture somewhat of a, of our supposedly mm-hmm, secular mm-hmm. study of religion or a supposedly mm-hmm, secular mm-hmm. academic work full stop. Mm-hmm. And what would you say to that? Well, uh, first of all, I think that's a particularly British and American problem. Okay. 
because uh, you know you look at uh, Germany mm-hmm. or um, Netherlands or for that matter many of the Japanese universities yeah. they are national universities ah uh, okay and so this whole idea of endowed chair mm-hmm. is very peculiarly I mean not that they don't exist elsewhere because yeah. they are private institutions but the most kind of high profile if you will universities in the in Germany or those places in the continental Europe mm-hmm. as well as in Japan are national institutions mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. so the professors are uh, the, the state employees technically and, um, and so this endowed chair is I think um, is a very American and um, British. So this is a, this is kind of a d- direct legacy then of the collegiate system. Is the, the, is I that? think. Well, it's not exactly collegiate, but rather the privately funded chairs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Pri- um, privately funded aspects within a yes, supposedly state right, institution. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, of course, in America nowadays, it's in every religious group. Right. The town, yeah. You know, and um, there's always a controversy mm-hmm. of them. Um, so, but it's important to recognize there's this peculiar, um, the, the, the legacies, right, you know, yes, and yes. it's very interesting that the, um, the, how the, um, the, the British universities, um, also kind of ad- adopted that, mm. even though mm. the, the founding of the institutions are quite different. Yes. I'd say Edinburgh isn't the same as Harvard. And yeah. Yet, um, in a way, the same problems, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So, but I think um, uh, I don't really particularly address that in the book itself. But uh, I do, I do know what you mean. It's, uh, I think, it has been a growing problem in a way. Right, and that well, that leads me to the, the, the mm-hmm. last question then. Um, and and you, we're supposedly entering this kind of post secular period, and mm-hmm. religion is. You know, with, I'm doing yeah. square quotes for the listeners. Yeah. Um, is is reappearing kind of in public life, um, uh-huh. in increasing amounts. Um, I mean, in different ways, in different places, but it seems to be kind of across the board. Mm-hmm. So what? And the the university as well. What what do you think is is going to be the impact of this on on um, you know study of religion particularly, but but other studies as well, mm-hmm. where where religious voices are perhaps mm-hmm. going to be, if not more influential, certainly louder. Uh huh. Uh huh. I wondered, you know, um, what do you think is the the way in which religion is, as you put it, reappear, mm-hmm. right? Um, what what uh, what do you think are the the ways in which religions become more visible? Or the uh, I think the prominence of, as we kind of already mentioned, mm-hmm. of, of of obviously religious. People doing, you know, doing scholarship uh-huh. that clearly has a religionist agenda, for instance. Ah, okay. Um, not that there always haven't been those people. There seems to be mm-hmm. increasingly the case. Mm-hmm. Um, the media, in particular, is is focused right. very heavily on on mm-hmm. religious identity. It was, if you look back to the seventies or the eighties, for instance, mm-hmm. it's certainly in Britain. I'm not so mm-hmm. clear on, uh, elsewhere. It was ethnic was the identifier of the other was was mm-hmm. all done on ethnic mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. now it's increasingly religious uh-huh. and i mean there's obvious reasons right. for that but it's interesting ah, okay. um, and the, i think the most the most problematic one for me is in public life mm-hmm. that um you know uh, british leaders and us leaders are much more willing to uh, 
to to state the religious mm-hmm. ideas behind their actions, uh-huh. which uh-huh. was something which was or presume behind other people's actions. Indeed, right. indeed, yes. and that was something that was not on the table for a mm-hmm. long, long time mm-hmm. and has reappeared quite dramatically okay. in the last yes. ten to fifteen yes. years. Yes, yes, no, I agree that that, that is the the case, and um, uh, so or the more, um, you know, many of us who are much older than you are, <laughs> uh, we started um, focusing on uh, religion as a subject of our scholarship in a time when it seemed almost quaint. Yeah, yeah. Because right. we are dealing with either dying species <laughs> or, uh, you know, or something that should be de- dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, whereas suddenly um, social scientists... So in other words, religion wasn't particularly respectable or interesting subject unless you have your own problems. Yeah, has right. Yeah. To do with it, mm-hmm. right? Um, so there is always a presumption that if you are studying religion, you must have to, this some quirky um, interest, right. investment uh-huh. in this. Okay. Um, and then I think for people like me who didn't have those, mm-hmm. uh, it seemed particularly difficult to know so um whereas right now it seems like everybody wants to talk about religion yeah even though um they don't have much um sort of history Mm -hmm. to um their understanding of what religion is so So, all the more i think right now um the religious studies as a discipline as as a as a group people who have really focused very strongly on the History, not only of this or that particular religion, but rather our understanding of what religion is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, has more of uh, a role, right? Um, because it's not, we know, uh, for anybody, we should know that, the, that religion is simply not a kind of a natural phenomenon Indeed, that we yeah. find, yeah. Um, but rather in many ways complicated historical construction. Construction that is not fiction, but rather uh, it's a reality molding, very powerful um, um, sets of ideas Indeed. and so on. So um, uh, rather than this or that religion forming a particular mindset, causing them to do certain things, but rather that very understanding of what religion is is something that we all, his, as sort of historical subject, has participated yes, through. Yes, absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I think, the to me, what's most exciting oh. about being in the religious studies field today is that you get to do, I mean, you have sort of really, um, a, a more sort of immediate, um, uh, if not access, at least you know where to go <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to address that question, mm-hmm. right? Rather than just saying, okay, what does Islam say? Indeed. What do they believe? Indeed. And then what causes them to act this way? Exactly. We know that that is a very problematic uh, construction of question to begin with, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, who else but us who could really, right. um, you know, with, with some credibility mm-hmm. be able to say that? Yeah, indeed. So... Um, um, I see that um, religious studies, not just simply by, uh, as it were, um, giving information about uh, 
these different cultural yeah. forms, which is important. Of mm-hmm. course, we, it has to be done, but um, not just that, but simply to have a certain kind of a um, self-critical Indeed. understanding of our history, discursive history. Indeed. Yeah. And uh, I want to thank you for sharing mm-hmm. and actually a very interesting and not well-covered aspect of our own uh, uh, disciplinary history <laughs> and, and our role as academics uh-huh. in our, our history. So thank you very much. Good, thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for that there, David. Um, and thanks to the IAHR for um, the amount of help and um, facilitating our sometimes unusual uh, requests at the last minute. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the, the, the notion of the, the university as a sort of secular space um, is obviously particularly pertinent to the, the study of religion um, and came up quite a lot in your panel at the IEHR on um, you know conspiracism. Um, I th- thought there was a lot of conversation in that Indeed. panel about But hopefully, um, having heard that uh, interview, then the reason that the university is perceived as necessarily secular today isn't exactly what you thought it was. Exactly. Um, um, so... On the topic of conferences then, um, so we've just been mentioning the IEHR and next week's another interview from the IEHR that I recorded with Brent Plate on uh, religion and film, which, um, you know, it's quite a fun interview, so I hope that goes down well. Um, but we've had a number of conference reports that have come out recently on the RSP website, thanks to Tommy Coleman. And um, we've started to be approached by quite a few conferences now about um, getting RSP representation, um, maybe, you know, recording some podcasts, roundtables, covering the conference in some way. And that's something that we're we're more than happy to uh, countenance. Indeed, as we, as we mentioned last week, uh, we're heading down to the, or up, I'm not quite sure we're talking. It depends. It'll be yeah. up, yes. Yeah. Uh, to the um, AAR conference later this month with the assistance of the um, the NAASR um uh, to record some interviews at at the conference there, um, we've been approached by a couple of other uh, British universities next year to come and do similar things there. Um, so, you know, as Chris was saying, if if this is something that you would like to add to your conference, uh, you'd like the RSB to come down, r- publish a report, do some interviews, perhaps a roundtable, um, please get in touch. Uh, all you really have to do is cover our expenses, and we're happy to do it. Um, and it's. Uh, a great box to be able to tick on your public outreach um, aspect of your, you know, wherever your your money is coming exactly, from. Exactly, because as we say, you know, every one of these podcasts, at the moment, in the first week, you know, I think they're getting about 800 downloads in the first week. And that's um, a lot on last year. And, um, you know, if you're publishing a, a, even a conference report in a journal or any sort of journal article, if you're getting that level of readership, um, you know, you'd probably be tenure immediately for getting that. Uh, I'm, I'm just we're, pontificating we're guessing, here. Yeah. yeah, you know, we're, we're just picking ourselves up. You know, we, we, we're into the, you know, the, this is advertising, man. It's, it's a harsh world out there. Yeah. We've, we've got to try. But, no, but really, serious. So come back. Um, think about that, first of all, uh, for your conferences, and come back next week to hear me chatting with Brent Plate. Yeah, what's the subject, Chris? Uh, religion and film. So, of course, it's another one of these... Uh, the and. The and that we uh, 
that are useful clickbait to have in titles for podcasts, um, but that we don't like. And and I immediately kick off the interview asking, you know, what on earth does that and mean? Is it in film, Excellent. on film, relationship to films, films as religion, etc. Et Get the clicks, then deconstruct. Exactly. It's a great strategy. <laughs> and if that's a strategy you like, come back next week. If you want to find out more about that strategy, then go to our Facebook page, our Google Plus page. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. You can get our podcasts on iTunes, where we really appreciate ra- a rating if you, um, if you could be bothered. Do use our Amazon links. If you're in the UK, in Canada or the US, they help us out a great deal at no expense to yourself. But other than that, we'd like to say, Thanks for listening.